Hey, so I get the privilege to talk about true education, something I am very passionate about. Um, I'm an elementary school teacher. I have taught for 15 years. Unfortunately, 10 of those years were in public schools. I was raised in the public school system. Um, I went to a public school university. So it wasn't until recent years that I learned about true education. And in the last five years, I've had the privilege um, to be teaching at the Wildwood Elementary School where I'm able to learn and um, implement true education. So this has, this has been a precious experience for me. So we're going to start first by looking at what the purpose of true education is. Because to know how to do something right, you need to have a goal. You need to know what it is that you're trying to accomplish. If you don't know what you're trying to accomplish, you might just do it all wrong. Right? So we're going to look at what does God has its purpose for education, right? Because the worldly uh, kind of education has its purpose, but God has a purpose for his education, and, and if we're going to do his system of education, we need to know what his purposes are. And um, I need my clicker. There. Okay, so true purpose of education. <laughs> This is counsel to teachers, parents, and students, and it says, by a misconception of the true nature and object of education, many have been led into serious and even fatal errors. So a misconception or, or a lack of understanding what the true purpose of education can lead, not just some, not just a few, but many, to be led to serious and even fatal errors. So this is why it's so important that we understand the purpose of education. And we begin with uh, this quote from the book of education. Um, now this is a book I think every person, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a parent, whether you have children ever intend to teach, uh, should read. If you're a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, you should read the book of True Education. All of us are constantly being educated, and we need to know how to be educated by God. And so this is a book you should all read. This quote is found in the very first paragraph on the book and says, Our ideas of education take too narrow and too low at range. There's need of a broader scope, a higher aim. True education means more than the pursuit of a certain course of study. It means more than a preparation for the life that now is. It has to do with the whole being and with the whole period of existence possible to man. It is the harmonious development of the physical, the mental, and the spiritual powers. It prepares the student for the joy of service in this world and for the higher joy of service in the world to come. The Book of Education, page 30, and you'll find that many of the quotes here from the Book of Education. In the highest sense, the work of education and the work of redemption are one. Have you ever thought of this? I mean, this is part of the way that God is re uh, um, uh, giving us an opportunity for, for redemption. So it is a work um, of redemption, and so we need to take it seriously. Acts of the Apostles, page 530 says, Having received the faith of the gospel, the next work of the believer is to add to his character virtue, and thus cleanse the heart and prepare the mind for the reception of the knowledge of God. This knowledge, the knowledge of God, 
is the foundation of all true education and all true service. So as we are seeking to educate children, we need to know that the knowledge of God is the foundation of all. It's not the knowledge of sciences and other things, it's the knowledge of God through all these things. Right? So if what we're teaching is not leading people to have a greater, deeper uh, knowledge of God, then we are failing at our goal. Child Guidance, page 293, says, education, true education means more than taking a certain course of study. It is broad. It includes the harmonious development of all the physical powers and the mental faculties. It teaches the love and the fear of God and is a preparation for the faithful discharge of life's duties. Page 293 of the same book, Child Guidance, proper education includes not only mental discipline, but that training which will secure sound, moral, and correct deportment. Child guidance again, and the next paragraph says, the first great lesson in all education is to know and understand the will of God. Right, so as we are thinking about what to do with our children, whether it's our children or like mine, I call my children, but they're not my children. Um, if we are working with children or adults, if we are teaching, the main thing that we need to be thinking about is how to lead them to know the will of God, to know God and His will. In the book Ministry of Healing, it says, true education is missionary training. Every son and daughter of God is called to be a missionary. We are called to the service of God and our fellow man and to fit us for this service should be the object of all our education. Imagine what would have happened if we had taken this counsel seriously from when it was given and had not departed from it. We wouldn't be here. The work would have been done, but the work of God is languishing for lack of laborers. And I can tell you, in the time that I have been working in, in the work of God, it, it breaks my heart because I see that God has given the talents that are needed for everything that is needed in the work of God, but people are not using it for God. And we go without workers. Many times, we have not been able to offer um, all the grades because we don't have a teacher. And I know that God has given the talent to many people among his people, and yet we go without workers. Because we have trained the children from youth all the way to university to be successful in this world. So when they come out, what do they do? What we train them to do. They go out to seek for a job and be successful in this world. But if we have taken this object in mind and have done this since they were youth, and prepare them for that, yes, there will be some that will choose not to be workers for God. But the majority will, because they have been trained for that purpose. But how do you expect, we can't blame our young people for going out and doing what we trained them to do. We trained them to do that. And so we need to remember what this, uh, what education is for. It's not so that our children can have a better education and do better in this world. I mean, we definitely want them to have success in this world. 
But the success that God uh, wants them to have in this world is very different from what we usually think of success. Right? So we need to uh, consider God's way and we need to be uh, sure that this is our, our goal in mind in everything that we do in education. Now this quote is found in Education, pages 17 and 18. It says, Every human being created in the image of God is endowed with a power akin to, that crea to the Creator. Individuality, power to think and to do. The men in whom this power is developed are the men who bear responsibilities, who are leaders in enterprise, and who influence character. It is the work of true education to develop this power. What power? The power to think and to do. To train the youth to be thinkers and not mere reflectors of other men's thoughts. Continues. Instead of confining their study to that which men have said or written, let students be directed to the sources of truth to the vast fields open for research in nature and revelation. Let them contemplate the great facts of duty and destiny, and the mind will expand and strengthen. Instead of educated weaklings, institutions of learning may send forth men strong to think and act, men who are masters and not slaves of circumstances, men who possess breadth of mind, clearness of thought, and the courage of their convictions. Right, so the right kind of education will lead our young people to think for themselves so that they are able to be courageous enough to hold on to their convictions. The worldly system of education is preparing our minds to just do what the crowd does, to just follow what the majority does. And the majority are going to go in the wrong direction. And we know this. We know when the end comes and the Marco Dubis come, the majority are going to go that direction. And we think that we are not. But we are trained that way. And the, and the possibility that we will, uh, it's great unless we learn God's way of education. And so we need to train the children in a way that they think for themselves, that they are able to, to live in accordance to their convictions and not to what everybody else is telling them to do. Such an education provides more than mental discipline. It provides more than physical training. It strengthens the character. So the true kind of education will strengthen the character. So that truth and uprightness are not sacrificed to selfish desire or worldly ambition. It fortifies the mind against evil. Instead of some master passion becoming a power to destroy, every motive and desire are brought into conformity to the great principles of right. As the perfection of his character is dwelt upon, the mind is renewed and the soul is recreated in the image of God. And this is the great desire that God has in his heart, that we will be cre recreated into his image. He created us into his image, Sin came in and has destroyed the image of God. And education is part of his way of recreating us into his image. So this is another thing that we have to have in mind as we are um, choosing what we do uh, to educate our children. 
page of it, um, education, page 16. Love, the basis of creation and of redemption, is the basis of true education. Right? And I, I know when I introduce myself, I say I love what I do, and I love teaching, and I love working with children. But this is not talking about love in that sense, of something you're passionate about and you enjoy. But to true love of God that is willing to sacrifice. Right? And so, as you're working for your children or for other people's children, you have to have a love for their salvation. And so one thing I, I have made up my mind, you know, it's easier when it's your children because you naturally have a love for them. But I don't have children of my own. My work is with children of other people. And I have a certain love for them. I love children. Um, but it's not the love that is talking here. So I'm constantly praying that God will give me a love for them that, will, that they will see. Because one thing about children, they are not interested in what you have to say. They are watching what you do. They know truly what's in your heart somehow, and it's not like they're conscious about this, but they're able to perceive your true thoughts and feelings about things. So if you are saying something and you really don't mean it and you are not even living it in your life, they're not getting it. And not only that, sometimes you do more harm than good because you create in them a rebellion against what you're presenting. So that's why I'm, I'm very, sometimes people I'm, I'm say I'm too picky. Um, but I am. I am very picky about the people that I let come to the school and work with the children. Just because you're good with kids, I don't let you come into the school. If what you're going to present is not something that I can tell, and I, now granted, I'm not perfect. I'm still struggling with many things. But if I don't see you struggling to, striving to, and this is not something you really believe, I don't want you telling the children because they see right through you. Right? So there has to be, especially parents, because you live with these children, they see you. Right? A lot of times we think we, we homeschool them, we gave them all the best, and then they leave the church. Why? Because they were looking at you. Right? So we need to pray that God will help us to let go of whatever it is that will keep us from having a pure love for these children and for showing them the love of God as pure as it is. The true object of education is to restore the image of God in the soul. Sin has well nigh obliterated the image of God in man. To bring him back to the perfection in which he was first created is the great object of life. It is the work of parents and teachers in the education of the youth to cooperate with the divine purposes. Every faculty, Every attribute with which the Creator has endowed us is to be employed for His glory and for the uplifting of our fellow men. And this is found in From Eternity Past, page 433. Counsels to Teachers, Parents, and Students, page 434 says, In all your teaching, never forget the greatest lesson to be taught and to be learned is the lesson of co-partnership with Christ in the work of salvation. The education to be secured by searching the scriptures in an experimental knowledge of the plan of salvation. Okay, so not just a head knowledge, but experimental knowledge. And so if we're learning and we're not really working, co uh, being co-partners with Christ in working for the salvation of, of souls, then it is not experimental uh, knowledge. And so we need to make sure that we are, um, as part of our education, 
allowing for the children to have opportunities to do things to save other souls. Right? And they need to see us doing it as well. That such an education will restore the image of God in the soul. It will strengthen and fortify the mind against temptations and fit the learner to become a worker with Christ in his mission of mercy to the world. It will make him a member of the heavenly family, prepare him to share the inheritance of the saints in light. And the last one on this section, maybe not the last one. I think you, that was the one you just read. Okay, yeah, this is the last one on this section. Um, the great object of education is to enable us to use the power which God has given us in such a manner as to represent the religion of the Bible and promote the glory of God. Okay, so as we've gone through all this, you can see there's a lot of things that um, this byword tells us that true education is about. You know, when I went through it, when, as I started reading the councils, I found a quote that says, true education is this, and I was like, okay, this is what true education is. And then I found another one, true education is this, and I'm like, wait a minute, is it this, or is it this? And then you keep reading, and then I realized, you know, true education from, comes from God. God is infinite. There's no way to put in words who God is. And so all of these definitions are true education and more. And God has given us plenty for us to understand what we need to do. But I believe that in heaven, we'll be able to see even more of what true education was uh, able to accomplish in the lives of our children and, and other children. Okay. So the next section I'm going to go to is God's original plan for education. And I think most of us uh, know what this is. So we're going to look at what that is and why uh, God has, because of course, um, if, you've not, if you do not know, um, I'm mainly going to talk about true education um, it, as it um, refers to formal education in an actual school. And I say that because home is a school. Life is a school, right? So uh, um, a school building or formal schooling, it's where I work and it's what I'm going to share with you, but it was not God's original plan. Um, God's original plan, page, uh, education page 33 says, the system of education established, established in Eden centered in the family. Adam was the son of God. And it was from their father that the children of the highest received instruction. Theirs, in the truest sense, was a family school. So before sin, the plan that God had for education was right there in the garden, and the father was the teacher, right? And Adam and Eve were the students. So this was a homeschool. Right after the fall, in page eight, um, same page, but the second paragraph it says, "In the divine plan of education, as adapted to man's condition after the fall, so now man has fallen, and now adapted says, Christ stands as the representative of the Father, the connecting link between God and man. He is the great teacher of mankind, and he ordaineth." that man and woman should be his representatives. The family was the school 
and the parents were the teachers. Okay? So even after the fall, we still have this model. What about Jesus? In his time, the Zion of Ages, page 70 says, the child Jesus did not receive instruction in the synagogue schools. His mother was his first human teacher. From her lips and from the scrolls of the prophets, he learned of heavenly things. So we know this was God's original plan, and it is still the best plan in most cases. But then why do we have our schools, right? And obviously I wouldn't be standing here and talking to you about this if I didn't believe that there is a place for it. So I'm going to go into our, uh, showing you how our schools were ordained by God. So I'm just going to share briefly, and we're going to end the session. In the next two sections, I'm going to uh, show you the model of true education and practically how we've been applying that at our elementary school. So you'll get to see lots of pictures and different ideas of what we're doing in our school to follow God's model of education. And uh, education page 45, it says, wherever, whenever, wherever in Israel God's plan of education was carried into effect, its result testify of its author. So at that time when they were following it, the ones that were following it, they saw great results. But in very many households, the training appointed by heaven and the characters thus developed were alike rare. So what God had appointed, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what God had appointed to be the way of education, they had already departed from. There was very, very rare that this was happening. God's plan was but partially and imperfectly fulfilled. So if you're going to follow God's plan, this is important. You must follow it all the way. If you just pick a part of it, it's not true education. Right? And um, so I'm going to share a lot of things with you today, but in the end you have to be learning from the councils because true education is more than just adding Bible to your curriculum is more than just adding practical skills to the curriculum. Um, true education is a whole package and you need to be complete in it. Continuing on says, by unbelief and by disregard to the Lord's direction, the Israelites surrounded themselves with temptations that few had power to resist. And this is the burden that it's in my heart um, for you to somehow encourage you to have true, full faith in God's word. Because when we have unbelief, when we're not truly sure that God's ways are better, even if they make no sense to us, even if it doesn't seem to have the success we think it should have, if we are not certain that God's word is true and we are willing to follow it, whatever the results, we're going to end up taking another system. Unbelief is what led them to let go of God's way. Fathers and mothers in Israel became indifferent to their obligation to God, indifferent to their obligation to their children. Through unfaithfulness in the home and idolatrous influences without, many of the Hebrew youth received an education different widely from that which God had planned for them. They learned the ways of the heathen. So God had a perfect plan and his people walked away from it because of unbelief and it corrupted the system of education, right? And this is back in the time of Israel. 
So to meet this growing evil, God provided other agencies as an aid to parents in the work of education. God saw there was a huge problem, and he provided a way to help the parents to correct this problem. From the earliest times, prophet had been, prophets had been recognized as teachers divinely appointed. In the highest sense, the prophet was one who spoke by direct inspiration, communicating to the people the messages he had received from God. But the name was given also to those who the people those who thought not so directly inspired were divinely called to instruct the people in the words and ways of God. For the training of such a class of teachers, Samuel, by the Lord's direction, established the schools of the prophets. So those were the first schools that were established, the schools of the prophets. But later on in the time uh, of the beginnings of our church, Ellen Dewey says, he will open ways before us to establish small schools, in retired places for the education of our youth. Not only in the scriptures and in book learnings, but in many lines of manual labor. The necessity of establishing such schools is urged upon me very strongly. Why? Because of the cruel neglect of many parents properly to educate their children in the home. So this problem has continued. And sometimes parents are giving their children the best they know, but they were trained in the wrong system of education. This has happened so, for so long that we don't know anymore what it is. My experience uh, at the Wildwood Elementary School, we have had families that have come in. Uh, they're getting out of the cities. They come in here. They still have the city mentality. They put their children in school. At first, they kind of like, they don't fight things, but they question things. Why this? Why this? And then they get to learn it, they love it, and after a couple years, they take their children and they're able to homeschool. And so we, don't, uh, we take that as success. We don't take it as a bad thing if, if we lose some students because their parents are now ready to do that. And we work with the parents to try to help them to be able to do it at home if that is a possibility. Now there are cases when the parents are not able to and they, the children do continue in our, in our school until they graduate from eighth grade. Unfortunately, at the moment, we're not uh, offering all the way to 12th grade, which is something we do want to do because they come out of our school and then the parents don't know what to do. <laughs> and it's a critical age, but it is a little harder um, to, to provide for all the way through 12th grade. Councils to teachers, parents, and students, page 417 says, as long as time shall last, we shall have need of schools. Now this quote right here, this one is found in Adventist Home, page 489. And this has been the, the one that has impacted the, me the most and has helped me to be the more focused in the work that I do um, at the elementary school. It says, when heavenly intelligences see that men are no longer permitted to present the truth, the Spirit of God will come upon the children and they will do a work in the proclamation of truth which the older, the older workers cannot do because their way will be hedged up. In the closing scenes of these earth's history, many of these children and youth will astonish people by their witness to the truth, which will be born in simplicity, yet with spirit 
and power. They have been taught the fear of the Lord, and their hearts have been softened by a careful and prayerful study of the Bible. In the near future, many children will be endued with the Spirit of God and will do a work in proclaiming the truth to the world that at that time cannot well be done by the older members of the church. And the last part of this quote is the one that really touched me. Our church schools are ordained by God to prepare the children for this great work. Here, children are to be instructed in the special truth for this time and in practical missionary work. They're to enlist in the army of workers to help the sick and the suffering. Children can take part in the medical missionary work and by their jots and tittles can help to carry it forward. By them, God's message will be made known and his saving health to all nations. Then let the church carry a burden for the lambs of the flock. Let the children be educated and trained to do service for God. Right, so this is the plan that God had for the church schools. And we have lost that too. Not just like the parents lost the, their um, goal, but our church, our church schools have lost um, the vision as well. And so it's important that we go back to look at what God's plan of education is. Because our education has much to do with redemption as we saw. And so our, the salvation of our children depend on the kind of education that we give them. And so I truly believe that we need to understand better and be reminded constantly of what is it that we're trying to accomplish. Because I, a lot of times as parents and teachers or school administrators, we become very discouraged when we don't see the results that we expect. But the results we are expecting are not the results that God wants us to give. Right? The results that God wants to, wants to give through the system of education are souls saved for the kingdom of heaven. And we don't always get to see that. Though we get to see some of it, and I've had the opportunity to see hearts turn to the Lord. Not every child that comes to your school loves Jesus. Some of them want nothing to do with Jesus. Um, they have already been turned against him, and their hearts want nothing with it. And we have seen, we had a young man, and he, when it was worship time, we always start every day with worship. When it was worship time, he would sit there, and you could see all written all over his face, I want nothing to do with this. He was a very respectful young man, so he just remained quiet. He never challenged what we were doing, but he, he was always turned towards the corner. And as time went on, it took time. It took a long time. But he began to turn and turn. And soon he was looking and asking questions. And I know that seeds were planted in his heart and that this young man have a great opportunity now to make a decision for Christ. We only had him for a school year because he came on our last, uh, uh, the last grade that we offer. Um, but by the grace of God, I expect to see this young man in heaven. 
And when we are doing the, the, the right kind of education, the Lord will be able to use it for the salvation of our children. And they still will be successful in, in the academics and everything else. That doesn't mean we, we, we are going to neglect that because we want to, uh, God wants His children to be the head and not the tail. But the way that God sees a head is very different from how we see it. So we always need to have that in mind, what success truly looks like in the eyes of God. So we're going to stop here and um, give you the break. Sorry that that was a bit really fast. I truly apologize about my mishap on the time for starting. Uh, but the next one, I will start it on time by God's grace. So we'll close with prayer and give you a break. And then we'll start again at 3 o'clock. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we are thankful that um, you have left so much that we may know the best way to train our children. And I pray, dear Lord, that as we learn these counsels, you will help even our minds um, to be renewed, that we may understand and we may be able to apply them, not just for our children, but for ourselves as well. Many of us have not been taught in the right system of education and and though there's, we can never go back, there is, we can uh, learn some of what we didn't learn now. And so I pray for each of us that we'll have an experience that will renew our minds and help us to see things as you see them and strengthen our faith that we will believe your ways um, and not the ways of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.